Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie, lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. Sports Rivals, it's Ernie and Monty here, and we're going to start first, of course, with Ernie's Boston Celtics Ah. and the NBA playoffs. As we record now, the Golden State Warriors just completed the third game victory in Dallas to take a commanding 3-0 lead, but what I really am interested to talk about is that Heat Celtics series. Ernie, you have to have been disappointed after yesterday's performance. Uh, Disappointed is... is is the beginning of many more words that I don't think I could say uh, on air. <laughs> I mean, it's it's terrible. I mean, uh, I know this sounds weird, but I, I don't even think it sounds weird. I mean, I, I really think the Celtics should actually be up 3-0 right now. If not for a, if not for a 25-point tw- uh, turnaround in the third quarter of Game 1... And a 24 turnover uh, performance in Game 3, the Celtics would be leading right now 3-0. I mean, uh, they had a commanding lead in Game 1, leading by as much as 15 uh, in the second half, only to let the Miami Heat come back and actually take a 10-point lead going into the fourth quarter. Uh, they blew game one. Uh, they came back strong in game two, a masterful performance, really blowing out uh, the heat. They led as much as much as 34 points before letting the the bench come in and uh, the final score being 25. But man, this game three really upset me. I mean, your two top uh, players and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. 13 turnovers between the two of them. And if you add Marcus Smart into that mix, you're adding four more turnovers. So that's 17 amongst your big three. So very disappointing. Yeah, I mean, I think think what it's shown, and and this is what I kind of got out of game one, because I I too agree, I still think down 2-1, I still think the Celtics are the better team. Mm -hmm. Now, the big contingency that's in play here is on a daily basis, you don't know who's going to play. Yeah. Horford and Smart miss game one. Uh, Lowry missed game one and two. He comes back but goes in and out of game three. Butler sits out the second half of game three. Uh, Smart goes down again. Tatum goes down. It is it is definitely some you know some kind of attrition. But what I think happened in that game one situation is the Celtics came out strong, mm-hmm. but they just got finished with a grueling grueling seven game series with Milwaukee. Had to come back on a day's rest. Right. Miami was waiting. And I think the fatigue took place in the second half. Then the Celtics had that desperation. They came out with a vengeance and, and they dominated game two. And then in game three, it kind of looked like Miami had that determination again. So the one thing that I'm kind of noticing from an objective standpoint is there doesn't seem to be a consistent level of, um, for lack of a better word, motivation exactly. on, a, on a game-by-game basis. Exactly. You know, so I think Miami took... Clearly took it easy in game two. The Celtics played great, but Miami was horrors in, in game two. 
And I expected that to continue. After game two, I thought, you know, I had said Boston in six. I was thinking maybe this is going to go, you know, five even because Boston looked that much better than them. And then they were flat. Miami jumps to a huge lead, uh, almost gave it back. You know, Boston went on a run right before the half. I thought when Butler didn't come out, the Celtics for sure would, would win. Right. Very, very surprised that Miami was able to hang on. So we're 2-1. And if I had to, if I was a betting man, I bet Boston wins by twenty, in you know tomorrow night. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm all with you. I mean, there wasn't a point w- until like the the final, the final. I don't know, forty five seconds where I didn't think Boston had a chance to win in that game. I mean, uh, they were down by twenty. They end the they end the half at down by uh, down by fifteen. Mm-hmm. They they come back. And then when Butler doesn't show up for the second half, I was like you. I said, "Oh, this is this is prime stuffing," you know. But maybe maybe Boston felt that way too. Like, oh, we got this. Butler's not going to play, right? And but then it, instead of carrying that momentum that they closed the first half with, maybe they took the pedal off the metal a little bit. Then. Yeah, and it shouldn't be that. And that's that's the problem with this team is because their top three players, and and in this case, in my opinion, was Jason Tatum. Because I believe when Jalen Brown had his turnovers, at least he did it driving to the basket. I mean, the guy had 40 points. Yeah, and He I did mean, have the, the seven turnovers, but he went for 40. Yeah, Jason Tatum was just on lazy passes i mean he got a a couple of them where he got stuck in the air you know and you know it was very easy to pick off those passes when you're going you know cross court uh he played a very disappointing game i mean pj tucker is doing a good job on him i mean he is he he is you know tatum had a good game one he had a good game two um, but man, PJ Tucker can just be a gnat. He's like Marcus Smart, but just not quite as good and a lot older. Right. But he's physical. He's always there, and he never ever quits. Right. You know, so that that can wear on you, and and maybe that's kind of what Tatum. You know, he got a little bit frustrated. They were down. He wasn't right. going his way, uh, and he just couldn't get himself out of that rut. So the Celtics down two one. Big game tomorrow. It's a must win for the Celtics. I believe so. And like and like I said, you know, just kind of watching this series, I I expect the Celtics to come out with a vengeance, and then I still believe they win in six. It all depends on me because it, it all depends because of the current injuries right now. Marcus Smart, he came back from an unreal. I I thought his ankle basically broke on that fall. I mean it. It was almost ninety degrees the way that ankle bent. I mean, and I was like, sh- I mean, I'll even admit that Marcus Smart flops, you know, to get <laughs> at to, times. yeah at, at times. This was not a flop. I mean, when if when you saw on replay how that ankle bent, ankles aren't meant to bend that way. So for him to come back is is unreal. Reports this morning are that it's the swelling has increased, and that it's going to be a game time decision for him. On the flip side. Robert Williams, who was out that game, uh, you know, on a on a bone bruise off of off of his knee, he's still dead. So he might not play. Uh, for the Heat side, we're not even sure if we're not sure if um, Butler gonna is going to play. play. And then Lowry is is on a hamstring that could pull at any particular time. I mean, that's like a ticking time bomb because I believe he came back early out of desperation on the Heat side. So. Uh, it's gonna be tough picking this game. I mean, it's, it's a war. It's a war of attrition. But the Celtics do have youth on their side. They you do. Know? So I, I still, I still believe. The, with my eyes, it looks like the Celtics are the better team. 
yet they're down 2-1. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's not who is the better team. It's how many games do you win. Exactly. And so far, Miami's up 2-1, even if my eyes tell me Boston is the better team. Boston is the better team. I mean, if you look at, like how you said, by, by the eyes, it is. Because out of the 12 quarters that they these two teams have played, out of 12 quarters, Miami has won two. That's all they want. But they're up 2-1. They've only won two quarters out of the 12 quarters in the which series. Is, which is the third quarter in game one and the first quarter in game three. Exactly. And those two quarters are enough to give them a 2-1 exactly. lead. Exactly. That's crazy. Yeah, it is I mean, crazy. That, that's crazy. If you told me that my, the Miami Heat would only win two quarters in the first three games, this would be 3-0. See, if you, if you guys listen to the Dan Patrick show, that would be a stat of the day, stat of the day, <laughs> stat of the day. Um, okay, let's shift gears. Let's let's go to the Golden State-Dallas series. It is 3-0 now, and I'm surprised. I, I wasn't shocked that Golden State responded to relatively hard-fought uh, victories in games one and two. That's been Dallas's mojo so far, losing the first two against Utah, losing the first two against Phoenix. But then they would come home and they would pounce. That didn't happen today. Golden it, State jumped out to a lead in the first quarter. Dallas came back, and it was it was relatively close, but Golden State pulls it out in the end to take a commanding 3-0 lead. I'm surprised it's 3-0. I, I would be shocked if they swept them, but you never know. Um, but this series is over. This it, It's over. I mean, it, and it, it was like how you said. I mean, I'm, I'm shocked myself, too. Dallas in Game 2 had, had a terrific start, I mean... They were just on fire as far as their shots coming from the perimeter. I mean, they, they basically couldn't miss. But then they continued that in the second half. But instead of, you know, being conservative and trying to drive to the basket, uh, they took some questionable three-point shots in you that know, game. I think that's been the MO for this series. I mean, they were 11 for 48 in game one. And then, yes, they were hot in game two, but then they allowed them to shoot back. Mm-hmm. Today, they start... One for 12 from three. And there were six consecutive possessions in the first quarter where they took a three and missed each time. Mm-hmm. And Golden State went out to a 19-7 lead there. And I just think that it's, it's sometimes when you have someone like a Luka, um, post him up on one of the smaller players that he exactly. has. You know, get to the free throw line. He's getting his points. He had 39 again today. He had 41 the other day. But a lot of those are kind of like garbage points where it's coming. You know, he had 20 points in the fourth quarter again today. He's not playing well, in my opinion, yet his statistics are, are showing well. But at the end of the day, it's 3-0 Golden State. And it looks like they're one win away from the NBA Finals. Yeah, and I don't know if this has come down to, if it comes down to, you know, to coaching on top of this this game. I think, I, I you know, Kit, Jason Kidd has done a terrific job as far as defense. But their problem is on their offensive side. I believe, I, I truly believe there's... Shot selection in game two uh, was not curbed by the coach. And that's his job. I mean, he should be telling his players, you know, it's not there in the second half. Let's, I mean, you got Jalen Brunson. You got Luka Doncic. You, I mean, you got Spencer Dinwiddie. Three guys who can basically create their own shot over there. You know, drive the basketball in, kick out, get good looks. To me, their shot selection in game two is what outdone them. If they, if they split... At Golden State, this is a totally different series. I believe today's game was basically uh, a mental letdown coming off of Game Two. I fully on expect them to win. Out just out of sheer pride, I full I, I expect them to win Game Four, and then 
of course, Golden State uh, goes back home and, you know, closes them out on five. But, you know, but it but is that's the experience. It, 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 it is mean, what I it think, is. I think Golden State is it, to experience the team. And I think it was very easy for Steve Curtis to tell his team, look what they did to Utah. Look what they did to Phoenix. Let's not give them confidence. Let's not give right. them hope. Let's right. end this now. Uh, and I bet you that's going to be his mindset in game four. It's all going to come down to how much pride does Dallas have. Right. You know, do, do, are they going to allow themselves to be swept or are they going to come back with a vengeance? I expect them to come back with a vengeance. They've got some fighters on that team. Uh, and I don't think Luca would want to get swept. He's been very good, good in the playoffs, even in the series where he, they don't win. Uh, he plays really, really well. And I don't think he wants to sweep in the uh, Western Conference Finals. No, no, but they're going to have to bring, they're definitely going to have to bring their A game because Golden State is not the type of team to just, uh, you know, let you cakewalk through them. You're going to have to, you're going to have to be on your A, A game. They don't, the Golden State Warriors do not beat themselves. They could have a poor shooting night. That's that's fine on, on top of that one, but they will not beat themselves doing stupid plays. Yeah, you and know? then the other thing is, you know, and then we'll, we'll move on to the other things that happened in the NBA. But I think you see the value of Steve Kerr. Mm-hmm. You know, he missed three games with COVID in the Memphis series. And although they found a way to win two of the three at home, in between, they, they were down by 55 points. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and even in the games that they won, I mean, they were playing with all John Moran. It was questionable. Um, they seem to be a much better coach team yes. when Steve Kerr is there as well. And... Uh, Coaching matters. I mean, coaching matters. It it doesn't. I would be worried if I was Sacramento (laughs) because that's your head coach coming in. Now, speaking of coaches and who should be worried, my Lakers apparently are down to their final two candidates. Uh, Word leaked out today that the Lakers were trying to get Joan Howard to come in for an interview and Joan said... Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. That's where we are in Lakerland. That we're comfortable staying in college. Um, but Joanne said no. And apparently it's down to Terry Stotts, mm-hmm. who had a successful stint yeah. in Portland, but yeah. was fired there. Yeah. And Darvin Hamm, who was a finalist for your Celtic position mm-hmm. last year. And if I remember correctly, you wanted him. Yeah, or I you did. thought that he was going to get hired at that point in time. So those seem to be the two... Remaining candidates, um, we'll see. I mean, I, at this point, the Lakers need a lot more than a good coach, but they do need a good coach because you see the value of Jason Kidd, mm-hmm. what he meant to the Lakers. I think this year it was clear that he was the person that had the personal relationships with LeBron and AD, and he controlled the defense. Right. So he leaves, and our defense sucks, and Dallas is, rises near the top of the NBA. Coaching does matter, and the Lakers need to find a good one. Is it Darvin Ham? I'd rather go with Darvin Ham, to I, tell I, me, the truth. Uh, me too. I mean, I'd rather go with the younger guy, give him an opportunity, rather than go with Terry Stotts. He, I don't know. I don't know if he has the cachet to control LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Exactly. And, and, and that's where I, mean, comes- I don't know if Ham does, but Ham is young enough where I think they'll relate to him a lot more than exactly. they'll relate to Terry Stotts. Exactly. I mean, you, you, you went right up my alley. I think it comes down to, I mean, coaching will matter in this case, but I think it's more in a point where they're going to have to relate. They're, it's going to have to be where the coach can actually communicate with this team, get the buy-in. If You can have the best game plan out there. If they won't execute it or they refuse to execute it, it's not going to work. So it's a matter of how can you relate with the LeBron James 
you know, the, the, the Anthony Davises and who knows if Westbrook is going to be there next season. Yeah. But it's going to come down to that. And I believe Darvin Ham is that type of personality. Again, I liked him because of uh, what I've heard out of his interview process when he was, with, uh, when he was a, a, a candidate for the Boston Celtics. He had that, he had that uh, they were saying that he had that type of personality that, that uh, allows himself to, you know, be listened to by today's types of superstars. I mean, he comes from the coaching tree of, of uh, you know, Budenheiser right. and, yeah. and, you know, from the San Antonio coaching tree. So I hope that's the direction they go. But really, the Lakers are a mess from the top on down, you know, so... Ernie asked, is Rob Polinka still there? Yes, he is. I'm not sure what he's doing there. I don't, I'm not sure what anyone is doing there. The executives, I think the Rambuses are there. Um, the bus. Oh, Jeannie is there. It is, uh, it, it is, it, it's, it's a mess. I mean, it really is a mess. They need some structure to uh, align these things back up because we did win a championship a couple of years ago, yeah. but now the Lakers have missed the playoffs six out of eight years. Um, and last year was a quick exit. So the Lakers need to do something like winning the draft lottery, but we don't have any picks. <laughs> so that's not going to happen. But speaking of the draft lottery, it happened this week. Right. And it, the Orlando Magic gets the number one pick, followed by Oklahoma. Oklahoma City, Houston, and Sacramento jumps up into the top four. So Ernie, let's let's take a look at this. Now, this is a draft that there's no, there's no Tim Duncan. Right. There's no Zion. Right. There's no definitive this guy is going to change the team and our projection right you know so kind of apropos that orlando gets the number one pick this year the last time they had the number one pick was back-to-back years where they had um shaquille Mm o'neal and then the very next year they had chris weber but they traded in for penny hardaway and it's been a while but at number one espn now is showing that they expect orlando to go with jabari smith yeah Although it could be a situation where Chet Holmgren reunites with his high school best friend, Jalen Suggs, as well. So I bet you Jalen Suggs is going to be lobbying big time for Chet Holmgren. But I don't have a strong opinion on who they take. I mean, it really depends on what you think. You know, do you like Jabari Smith? Do you want to invest in Chet Holmgren? Maybe you even like some of the other guys like Paulo Banchero. Jaden Ivy. Ivy's been climbing. You know, so it de- it it really depends. Now with Orlando, they have so many guards. I wouldn't think Ivy would be a good fit there. But any of the three, I could see going there. So who do you like? If you were the Orlando Magic at this point in time, where do you go with that? I, I, I go with what uh, what they're saying out in the media. I think it's going to be Jabari Smith. Uh, you know what the guy is the guy the guy. I mean, his comparable, I mean, not that he will be, but his comparable is Kevin Durant. I mean, he's a a tall shooter who can uh, shoot from the outside. Uh, You know, not the best defender out there, but, you know, that's something that uh, you you can work with. Uh, You have a lot of bigs out there in in Orlando. I think they're going to let go of Mobamba. Uh, they don't need that many bigs. They need somebody to really contribute. They're really pretty much guard heavy with three good guards. I think they probably let go one of those guards, uh, you know, because you you've you've got Suggs, you've got Anthony, and you got you got plenty of guards over there. I think one of those guys goes down. They they bring in more help on the on the wing side and try well, to boost their defense. Last year they drafted Suggs, and then they drafted Franz Wagner, who right. ended up being a first team All NBA rookie team. So I think they got that. I think Jabari Smith would slot well next to next to Franz I think Wagner. So. I think so. 
and Wagner is a very, very good defensive player, and Jabari is not there yet, but uh, he's, a, he's a stretch shooter. So it kind of depends. Paolo Banchero seems to be the most well-rounded offensive player. Chet Holmgren is widely regarded as the better defensive player. Jabari Smith is, is kind of a mix, mix of, the, of the three. Um, but there's no guarantee that any of these three are going to be the rookie of the year next year. I mean, it could be any one of a number of players. I mean, Jaden Ivey I, I pick has Ivey. a little bit of, of, of um, Donovan Mitchell in him. You know, where he, I could see him, depending on the team, averaging 20-plus points yeah. a game from yeah. day one. Exactly. Know? So it's going to be interesting to see where things fall. Yeah. And there's also time still for people to opt out of the draft so mm -hmm. i'm curious to see if <clears throat> drew timmy and julian strother from my gonzaga bulldogs are they going to stay in the draft or not mm -hmm. at this point drew timmy doesn't look like he's going to be drafted it's a matter of does he just move on to europe or play someone else already if he, is he tired of yeah. school um but with nil if he comes back i'm sure he can make a little bit of money he's oh, probably yeah. the most recognizable name in college basketball oh yeah he's he, he's 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 got that following in gonzaga and everything like that but yeah, I, I and I wouldn't be surprised if 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 Chet Holmgren does actually become the number one pick. I mean, his his upside is incredible. You yeah, know, I mean, he's got to get bigger. He's got to get he's, stronger. He's got he's got to do but that. He, but he is the unicorn. He has a unique skill set, the ability to defend. You know, that's going to show up from day one. Right. He may get a lot of fouls because he's weak, but he's going to be a rim protector from day one. He's not an ag aggressive offensive player. Um, certainly not like Jabari Smith or Paolo Banchero. But he's adequate, and he can shoot. So I'm curious to see. I mean, the Lakers would have picked eighth. That's where the Lakers would have slotted in. But that pick goes to the Pelicans in the Anthony Davis trade. So, oh, my goodness. Well, who, who do you see go, uh, getting picked up by OKC? I think, well, it depends on who, on who goes one. You know, for me, for me, I, I like Holmgren and Banchero as my top two. Uh -huh. So one of them would go one, the other one would go to two. Jabari Smith to me would go three. That's how I see it right now. But I totally get any three going in any order. It really depends on the fit, you know. So OKC has two great guards already, right? They have um, Gilchrist, and then they they have uh, Josh Giddy, who mm -hmm. they drafted last year, who looks like he's the real deal. So they're going to need front court help. So I think they're going to be happy. They're going to be really happy. With either Bonchero or Holmgren, I think at the two, I think that's more some a, a little bit more of a defensive presence or a physical presence is where I think they'll go at two, and then at three, Houston will take whoever's left. Yeah. I, I believe, although again, don't be shocked if Ivy pops up. You know, it depends again on who you want to get, and and Houston needs everything. Yeah, they, <laughs> they, they still need they, everything. They, they do. I think by picking up Jalen Green though in last year's draft, I, I uh, you know they they got that offensive player who really doesn't play defense and Ivan is Ivy is a, is a terrific offensive player again he doesn't play much defense on top of there for me number two it's it, it's it's if if Chet doesn't go number one he he drops down to three I, uh, OKC has uh not a Chet lookalike but they've got Pokushevsky out there who is at least built like uh like Chet Holmgram not the defensive power that Chet is but He's a great passer. The guy is uh, a guard in a seven-foot body. Again, built like Chet Holmgren. I mean, he's tall, lanky, uh, needs a little bit more girth in his game. Uh, that would be kind of duplicating 
uh, that type of player. So if Chet doesn't go number one, I think he's going to fall down to uh, Houston. To and, and Houston is going to. I I actually think Holmgren will flourish more in Houston because would, I because he has Wood there, you know, also down low. And yeah, then you have yeah. Green, Be, because I believe I be I believe Oklahoma City is going to make some offseason moves with the assets that they have. I think Houston is still building out there, and he has a chance to make a difference on that roster. Jalen Green right now will probably be their their main player, and if and there's talk that Woods may even leave. If Woods leaves and they they trade for somebody, I think he's he's got a tremendous opportunity over there. But this 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 draft is good. Last year's draft was great. I think this draft is actually deeper. So you're gonna see some you're gonna see some players like. Going in the later part of uh, the draft, you might find a Desmond Bain, uh, you know, in the late 20s, you know. Well, I think you're always going to find one of those. And you're right. I mean, I I think there's not a lot of separation from the top to the bottom. Yeah. You know, so you're going to be able to find talent even into the second round, you know. So especially if everyone stays in the draft, which is we'll see if that's going to happen. So it's interesting. I mean, uh Again, another draft process. We spent a lot of time with the NFL draft with the Rams not having picks. And now we talk the NBA draft with the Lakers not having picks. So <laughs> this, this draft season is just not fun for, for me and the LA fans. So Ernie, let's transition. The second major of the year happened this mm-hmm. weekend. Um, the PGA, a lot of hype around Tiger. Looking good, feeling good. Coming uh, into the PGA tournament, it didn't work out no, well for him. No, not at all. Um, your thoughts on the PGA? Yeah, I mean, I I, I was uh, looking forward to watching this. I thought he was going to have a stronger showing than he did at the Master, but his 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 health just failed him, and uh, he mentioned it after uh, after day one. And when when he when he barely made the cut, and he was complaining about uh, you know his his turn. I mean, and 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 whatnot. Everything was hurting. You kind of knew that, uh, you know, he he was gonna he was gonna have his struggles, and he he ended up withdrawing from the tournament. But it was a very entertaining uh, PJ Championship. Your cousin Monty, yes, your cousin and namesake Mito Pereira, led after fifty four holes going into Sunday, actually led going all the way until the eighteenth hole. And he puts it into the drink. Well, he, you know, in the Pereira household, Sundays are family dinners. And then he was running late. He was rushed. He rushed it on the 18th. And, and that was a problem. Oh, so, yes. Yeah. I, I, I Heartbreaking feel, for I, him. I feel bad for him. He, he, he had actually a chance to, to, to win his first major. Because, you know, he went, he went two over. If he didn't put, it, put that in a drink, he would have came out six under. And he would have won the tournament with that score. But, you know, he, he double bogeys on that hole. And then uh, Justin comes in, uh, you know, at, at five under. The biggest comeback, he was seven strokes out of the lead coming into Sunday. You know, he goes a three under and, the you know, the collapse of Pereira brings back the pack and he's able to go into a playoff. And the three-round playoff played on the 13th, 17th, and 18th. He birdies the 13th, he birdies the 17th, he pars the 18th. And his challenger can only match him on the first hole. He wins the 100th, what is this, the 108th PGA Championship in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So Congratulations to yeah. Justin. 
Justin Thomas, and uh, our condolences to my cousin, <laughs> Mito <laughs> Pereira. The, our, us Pereira's got to stick together. Don't worry, we're all proud of you. <laughs> but let's get back to Tiger. I mean, Tiger, a lot of expectations coming in, struggled in the first round, yeah. four over, battled through a second round where he went one under to make the cut and then it just fell off a cliff the weather was cold and windy and rainy on saturday really seemed to have an impact on him he shoots his worst round ever in the pga and opts to skip uh sunday which i was happy because to for him to play when he was already struggling made no sense so i'm glad he opted out for him but your thoughts on tiger again showing up at a major and giving us his best and creating so much excitement at least through the first two and a half rounds yeah i mean i mean to me tiger is in here for the long haul hopefully this doesn't debilitate him uh for participating in the final two majors you got the as well as the fedex championship uh at the end of the pj season uh he does make the draw i mean let's let's face it folks i mean the viewership with tiger you know, playing, in, uh, you know, making the cut, going into the final two rounds makes a world of a difference as far as ratings are concerned. I mean, uh, like I said in many podcasts prior to this, I mean, uh, those winners of all the tournaments out there should be giving Tiger Woods a check for 5% of their purse because it wouldn't even... It wouldn't even be 5% higher than that if Tiger Woods never existed. He he brought mainstream. He brought golf into the mainstream. And uh, what is he, 46 right now, 47? The guy is still playing top world golf. Uh, unfortunate for his accident and whatnot. But he makes the golf world goal. I just saw a recent article at 46. He is still, as of today, the number one paid athlete in the world. In the world, <laughs> so 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 that's the that's the amount of draw Tiger Woods still has, and he the guy's not even in the top ten as far as world ranking. Or he's not even in the top two hundred. Oh yeah, think, because I, he's only played two tournaments. It's, but it, it's it's just great to have him around. Uh, it didn't work out this weekend, but he gave everyone a thrill that he was there. He made the cut, and I think everybody was hoping that he would go from three over make a push towards the top that didn't happen he fell off dramatically uh finishes the tournament at plus 12 i believe something somewhere around yeah, there yeah i think he went nine over on on saturday to to end at plus 12 um but congratulations tiger your resilience considering as ernie says you're still the highest earning athlete in the world there's no reason for you to put your body through this but you do it anyway yeah. because of your competitive spirit your resiliency and your dr- your drive to just push yourself to the limit. Yeah, and that's that's what that's what makes the best the best. I mean, it's not about the money. It's it's that it's the competition. It's the will to want to win. And he goes into every tournament. He doesn't want to participate. He wants to win. And if yeah. he can't win, just like to, and, and he knew it, being being twelve over uh, going into the final round, you're you're not gonna win. You know, you're not gonna win, especially being as debilitated as you are like that. You know, so 
who knows? We hope for a big bounce back from Tiger. You know, it, it just makes golf just that much more exciting when he's in there. Oh, absolutely. Just to have him, him playing and, and his presence, I think, is wonderful. So, Ernie, there's not a whole lot of other sports going on. In the college scene, you have college baseball entering the, the final stretch, getting ready for the college baseball playoffs. Right now is starting the NCAA Women's Softball Championships. And I mention this because my dad is an avid softball fan. One of the favorite times of the year for him is the NCAA softball tournament. So Ernie and I, uh, you know, we're, we're here in Hawaii. And if you've not followed college softball and the Oklahoma Sooners, they are 52-2 and two this year. That's correct. That's 52-2. and two. And they have a player who's the National Player of the Year last year, a lot to be the National Player of the Year again this year, Jocelyn Alo. From Honolulu, Hawaii. My alumni. The pride of Haula via Campbell High School. But she's hitting 493 with 26 home runs, 65 RBIs, now has 117 home runs in a career. That's 22 more than the next closest That's female. That's crazy. That's crazy. She could be very well the greatest female softball hitter in NCAA history. And I think there's a very real argument. Right after this is done, she heads for the uh, U.S. Olympic team where she'll be participating as the youngest player there. Justin Alo, if you, if you haven't heard, pick up a, you know, watch on ESPN the Sooners in the next round. Today they advance, tight game, they advance 20-0 to zero over the Texas A&M <laughs> Aggies to get out of the Sooners opening regional and advance. But it's incredible. She is just absolutely incredible. I wanted to give a shout out to the Alo family. Uh, you are People of Hawaii are so proud of you. So, Ernie, I'm going to turn it back to you. I know you've got more NBA talk that you right. want to talk about. Um, where are we going with this? Uh, I'm going to go into the, to the rule changes uh, that's going to be happening. I mean, the, the, the owners met uh, uh, sometime last week, and the final decisions actually won't happen until July. Uh, the rule changes, I mean, let's take a step back from last year. I mean, they made... They, they made a rule change. Well, not necessarily. Yeah, they made rule changes, and they also changed the basketball, uh, which I don't know if it really made much of a difference. I mean, there was troubleshooting earlier in the season when they changed to a, from, uh, I believe, Spalding to, to Wilson. Uh, that's nothing. I mean, basketball is a basketball. You, you adjust to that. But there was rule changes as far as you cannot hunt for fouls. You know, and I believe with uh, with that rule coming in, it really negated the progress of one James Harden. He was the type of player, unlike Embiid, who was also a, 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 the type of player to get you know a large percentage of his points from the foul line. James Harden was that type of player, but he did it because he would put defend his defenders in awkward positions to draw the foul. The NBA made that rule change where that's not a foul anymore. If you go hunting for fouls, putting them in position and do a non-basketball act to actually initiate contact to, to, for the referees to call a foul, it's not gonna be called that way anymore. He struggled with it early in the year. Uh, he adjusted like everyone else did but I believe that was that became the beginning of the end in regards to James Harden. And we just saw how he looked after he went 
from the Brooklyn Nets to the Philadelphia 76ers. He basically fell off a cliff. Well, you're right, because free throws or drawing fouls or the threat of that was so important. I mean, he was getting, he was shooting 10, 12, 13, 14 free throws a easily, game. Easily. You know, that's why he was scoring 30 points a game. He right. had so many at the line. And you take that away, he had to adjust. And now you don't have to worry about these kinds of plays. You can play them straighter up and he couldn't beat you. Right. And you're right. He was a different player. Whether it's if whether it's just physical or if it mentally impacted him, where he lost his confidence because a big part of his game was taken away. Either way, he was a shadow of himself at the end of the year. He was. I think there's a stat out there that they, they timed his drive to the basket and it was like almost a second off. And that's all due in part because now the defender is right on you. You basically got to go around that person instead of going through them. Because before, if you could go through them, initiate the contact and get a foul and try to get a shot off, you know, that's good. Now it's an offensive foul on you going, uh, making that move. So now he has to go around. That, of course, lessened his time. And it's easier just to defend. So it, for, for guys who played like uh, James Harden, uh, that was a big rule change. Now, the rule changes for 2023, again, I, like I mentioned, aren't uh, set in stone right now. That will be voted uh, on in July. But it's very interesting that one of the rule changes out there for 2022-2023 season is for the take foul. And we've seen take fouls. Uh, I, I swear, I think I see like three or four take fouls every single game. And for, for those of you who, who are casual NBA fans, what a take fall is, is is basically on a transition play where the offensive player is going for a fast break, uh, maybe on a long rebound or a turnover or whatnot, and the defender basically takes the foul on purpose so he doesn't get the easy two buckets and he has to take the two fouls. Now, what the rule change is going to be uh, proposed for, for 2022-23 is that now it's going to be like a flagrant one where you get one free throw plus the ball out of bounds. And I think that's the best for the game because right now it slows down the game. You got you to gotta check if, you know, if the man was in position. Uh, you don't get to see the John Morant or you know, whoever your favorite uh, fast break player is highlight films out there. I mean, it, that just adds excitement to the game. It speeds up the game instead, instead of flow, slowing down. So I full on expect that rule to become a permanent rule. And I'm glad that the NBA uh, actually has it on his board. It, 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 it was a terrible rule to begin with, you know, but I want them to make another rule. Another rule out there is what I'm proposing is uh, instant replay and all all you instant replay guys who say ah oh, what are you talking about because that slows down the game okay the game is just too fast folks i mean you don't want games to be decided by the refs and the refs are going to make mistakes we've seen that i mean they make good calls i think uh the percentage out there is you know an, an overturn of a referee call on a challenge is like 30 percent uh but they're only allowed one a game so my proposal to put out there, if you know, if anybody's listening out there in regards to rule changes, is that if you win your first challenge, you should be able to get a second challenge. But so you don't get uh, slowed down the game by too many challenge, you're only allowed to take that challenge in the last five minutes of the game if you get the first call correct. 
because that is where it's most important. And that's why a lot of coaches hold on to their challenges towards the beginning, even if they know that it was a bad call. So they they know that there's a bad call in the first quarter. They're not gonna you know they're not gonna call for a challenge because they know if this is gonna be a tight game that they may need it, you know, towards the ending part of the game. So my proposal out there is allow two. If you allow two, if you get the first one correct, give them the second one. If they get it wrong, too bad. You only get that one. But if they get the first one correct, give them a second one, which can only be used in the last five minutes. That way it doesn't really add too much to the game as far as slowing down. And I think that that would, you know, in my opinion, that negates, you know, any advantage as far as, you know, at least from the fans' perspective that, you know, this game wasn't controlled by the refs. See, I, I love that idea. And so Adam Silver, please understand that Ernie has a, a lot of time. If you want to fly him to New York for the negotiations, <laughs> he's more than willing to hop on a jet and be there uh, tomorrow if it'll help move this forward. But all seriousness, Ernie, I, I think instant replay was a very successful part of all sports. But in the NBA, it got two crazy years back. They inter- they were they were instant replaying everything, everything in the last two minutes, and the last two minutes literally could take. I believe one playoff game took like thirty-two minutes last year because of every single out of bounds play that was being looked at. Uh, I'm glad they did away with that. But your suggestion seems to be a very reasonable. Um, compromise where you don't want to penalize a team for having to use a challenge early in the game um, because you're right it matters most at the end of the game however if if you're a Celtic fan and it was clear that Jason Tatum did not make a charging foul to get his third foul of the game in the first quarter you want to be able to use that there and then still be able to get something turned late in the game because that might be the most important play of the game if you take a star out for a quarter because of foul trouble. Um, that's really the only time players, I mean, coaches use the challenge now. If it's an important player that's going to get into unreasonable foul trouble early, then they'll use it. If not, they're going to save it to the end anyway. So I love that idea. I mean, the NFL does that, right? You can challenge. If you, if you get it correct, you get it back one time. Um, but if you get it wrong, you lose it. Yeah, and I think that's, that's a very reasonable thing to do. And it still will move things along relatively quick. All right. Thank you. You know, so. so Adam Silver. Adam. Come on, Adam. He can be there. <laughs> he can be there. He's got a lot of ideas. Just check out his YouTube page. He's got a lot of opinions. I got a lot of opinions. A lot of, bas- a lot of Boston fans hate me right now because of my opinions from last night's game. Let's just say that. Warren, he was not a happy camper. I wasn't. Yesterday after game three, and, and I don't blame him. I mean, the Celtics really laid an egg to me. They blew an opportunity. They came out flat. Miami jumped on a big lead. They come back. Butler doesn't play. They don't capitalize on that. They give Miami a two-to-one lead. I still believe Boston will respond tomorrow in a big way, and I still think they win the series in six. But this is where you get nervous if you're a Celtic fan because it is a young, inexperienced team that doesn't really have you know, um, a lot of experience in this type of position, like you saw from Golden State. They relish the situation. They stomped on Dallas today. They understand what they're dealing with. Miami and Boston, it's every other game. The other team is more motivated. So it tomorrow is. it's going to be Boston's turn. So tune into YouTube after 
on Ernie's yeah. page. And that, don't, don't don't kill me because I have an opinion. It's <laughs> it's it's my opinion. I'm not forcing anybody to listen to it. It's just my opinion. Well, but the thing is, Ernie's uh, Ernie's opinion is right. Though, it right? is. I mean, it's it not. Is. It's. I hate to say it, but. 95% of the time it is. See, Ernie Ernie doesn't say he has an opinion usually. It's Ernie speaks facts. You know, so he he just speaks facts and sometimes you don't agree with the facts. 100%. 100%. <laughs> but that's the beauty of the sports rivals and that's the beauty of being a sports fan. We all have opinions. We all think we know what's best. Uh, but at the end of the day, only a few of us are always right, right Ernie? <laughs> exactly. So Again, we encourage everyone, check us out on, on social media where we can have dialogue with you on Twitter, Facebook, and IG, Sports Rivals Podcast on, on Facebook and Instagram, Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. We'd love to have a dialogue with you. Go at it. Um, if you have an opinion that you disagree, that's the fun in sports. That's the fun in being a sports rival. And the Celtics, Ernie. I'm, Down two to one. I'm crossing my fingers. By next week Sunday, we'll know will the Celtics be in the finals I, 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 or I might, not. I might, I might have liquor in me at that next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think at this point, Danny, it looks like it's clear that the Golden State Warriors are going to be representing the West in the NBA Finals. It's still up for grabs. The Celtics or the Heat. But until next week when we find out who will play for the NBA championship, for Ernie Imonti and the sports rivals are out. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals Podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear. Mm-hmm.